Eir Tanuyap, Kuiget Yuans Kuiensna. Hi, everybody. My name is Kuiget Yuans. I'm a member of the Squamish Nation and the Yagalanis Clan of the Haida Nation. You're listening to Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. We live, work, play, and broadcast from the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations. You are listening to CFRO Community Radio Station. The upcoming show, Conscious Living Radio, is a program that explores frontiers of consciousness, spirituality, personal growth, emerging paradigms in psychology, health, science, and innovative philosophies that reflect commitment to the advancement of individual, social, and global transformation.
Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show, Conscious Living Radio in Vancouver, 100.5 FM, CFRO. Ah, also live on Facebook, also available as a podcast after the fact, um, www.consciouslivingradio.org. So, and YouTube channels, right, Mark? You bet. So I'm Tasha Sims here with Mark Caron and our guest today, Frederico Valen. So we're talking about not an easy topic, but I think a really important one, healing from cancer. Since 2003, Federico has worked with hundreds of people over the years as a teacher, a therapist, integrative cancer coach with one single passion to help others liberate themselves from their physical and mental limitations. Today, he works exclusively as an integrative coach with cancer patients. He runs a clinic in North Vancouver called Valent Health, employing modalities such as emotional freedom technique, suggestion therapy, clinical hypnosis therapeutic imagery, mindfulness, NLP, and meditation. He's also trained in medical support hypnotherapy, advanced theta healing, and intuitive healthcare. His aim is to align the mental, emotional, and spiritual state of clients towards total health. Welcome to the show, Frederico. Thank you, Tasha. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Mark, as well. Thank you for having me here, guys. So let's start off maybe a bit about you and what caused you to eventually, because I, I know now you're totally dedicated to focusing on working with cancer patients. How did that happen? Yeah, that's right. Um, well, you know, it happened like everything in life. And by the way, <clears throat> just now that I heard you um, reading or, or saying my bio, my goodness, so many layers of, of existence and decades of work and people just came through rushing. It's, it's fabulous. Um, so much story. And uh, sometimes we forget, right? But um, part of that story that really brought me to this point, uh, to this pinnacle, was that my mom had cancer when I was 17. But one of the interesting things that happened back then is that she never took me. She kept it secretly uh, and really actually revealed a lot of my mom's personality, uh, very stoic and, and, and um, you know, holding things to herself very much until the last minute. And eventually she told me, but she told me when it was way more into her control, right? Um, the interesting part about it too is that my mom didn't go into chemotherapy, didn't go into radiation, radiology, didn't go into the uh, prescribed, you know, hepatic method, method mm-hmm. of curing mm-hmm. cancer, but she did all the alternative ones, all the complementary ones. And here I am, 30 years, something after uh, dedicating myself to, to support people in her situation. And um, I love my work every day at work is just amazing. And um, it's not only about cancer. Cancer is kind of like the, the specialty mm-hmm. in a way that life put me into work with, but it's about healing the individual, the, the spirit, the self, and the body, of course. Almost like a, the cancer is the symptom, but the, the healing is a whole totality that will apply. I know this show is going to resonate for people no matter what they are struggling with, because I think we're going to dive deep into some of those modalities. Absolutely. Cancer is, is, is a layer, but it's a, we, can, we can call it a, a symptom or an illness, uh, a side effect of something else, and um, that is necessary for our growth, for our development. And 
Yeah, we'll get so, for sure. <laughs> let's start with some of the basics in terms of an overview on cancer, how it starts, how it grows, how it spreads, just the basics, if you will. Yeah, so um, very, very interestingly, we have different opinions about it. Uh, there, there is great mystery around, around what cancer is really. Um, in terms of, uh, we believe that it's molecular, that it's structural at the level of the cells, um, but the ramifications of it, how much of it is emotional, how much it is um, intellectual um, at the level of the mind is what really puzzles me and what has been puzzling a lot of people, right? Um, interestingly, obviously everybody knows that the numbers worldwide are you know, exponentially growing every year. And uh, that really brings us to a question was like, what is it changing? Mm-hmm. society what is it changing in our lifestyles that is uh, triggering these numbers to be so inflated and to grow so much and uh, my answer to that is lifestyle you know not only um, focusing on to what is it that we're eating what is it that we're drinking uh, the, the cleaning products that we use the clothing that we use but also when it comes to lifestyle around um how much of an ability to to really detox, to really talk about our feelings, to really live in community, which is super healthy um, that we're not experiencing now and how we're living the consequences of that. So one of them is cancer, but we have many others, right? Um, at the level of the mind, we have dementia, we have all sorts of inflammation and their side effects, but cancer is one of them for sure. So am I understanding correctly that we all have these cells that can become cancerous? It's not something you get, correct? That's correct. And, and that's one of the principles that I work with my students is on the uh, understanding that is, is not something that is flying out there, that mm-hmm. is keeping around on the air and uh, out there in the world that all of a sudden gets you, right? But it is something that is developed is developed at the level of the cells and um, we need to understand the roots and why because chemotherapy radiation surgery um, is very much about working with the side effects and with the cancer right. itself, not with what caused it right which is the key right well let's keep going a little bit more down that road because i know there was a study in 2019 that talked about stress hormones and its ability to increase the number of pro-tumor immune cells um, and also wake up dormant ones, pr- providing an environment that then is more uh, <clears throat> inviting for them to grow, for these cancer cells to grow. What's your take on that? Well, um, let, me, let me see if I understand. You're, you're talking about the study that looked into stress as a, as a triggering force for cancer? Is that what mm-hmm. Yes. Well, definitely. Um, we don't really understand fully what, what stress does. I mean, we're starting to understand, but um, stress works at the level of the nervous system. The nervous system activates the immune support, the immune system, sorry. And the immune system obviously has an impact at the level of blood flow and cellular formation in the body. So that's kind of like the cascade effect, you know, and, uh, of course, our hormones have a lot to do with this. Um, oxytocin and, and adrenaline and everything that we produce constantly because of the, the things that happen to us, the stressors. 
trigger certain reactions. And those reactions, you know, I, I like to say that cancer has a lot to do with constipation, but not only the constipation of, uh, you know, of the bathroom, but emotional constipation, energetic right. constipation. Um, they're not being able to let something flow out of ourselves and the, the buildup of toxicity. Like a stagnant state. Of course, absolutely. Yeah. If you were to describe the difference between a cancer cell, if we were looking at it and a normal cell or a healthy cell, what would that be? Well, the cancer cell, um, for some reason, does not have the programming in itself to to, uh, destroy itself, to come to an end. So it becomes uh, an eternal, a perpetual cell that never dies. Um, And it never dies, in my opinion, because the body has not given to it the signal that it needs to leave. And so it goes into building tumors, into creating changes in the body for purposes that we will talk in a moment. Um, but so that's basically what it is. A cancer cell is a cell that perpetuates its, its life. It doesn't have the programming to end its life. Also, uh, cancer cells are, um, you know, very uh, sensitive to heat you know, in comparison with regular cells, which are heat uh, resistant. Um, also, th- there's a few other particularities, but cancer cells are basically that, cells that just somehow have managed to stay alive mm-hmm. and not go into the process of dying and leaving space for new cells to grow. And looking at the mainstream model, is there agreement around what seems to be the biggest cause of cancer is that like just stick with mainstream for a sec because I know you're not and we're going to shift direction in a moment but I want to have an understanding of kind of what's out there what's the scientific thinking in the mainstream model about the cause of cancer yeah there isn't uh there isn't um much has been theorized about um the causes but um and I mean for what I've been reading over the years the statistics I think point uh, genes to be the main factor uh, of cancer, so to be genetic. And then there is um, environmental factors such as uh, water, food, gases, etc., etc. Um, but there is not an agreement yet on to what is it that triggers um, a cell at the level of DNA in order for it to become cancerous. Right. And when mainstream kind of gives you diagnosis, can we just talk about these different stages? Can you go over those for the listeners and what constitutes, let's say, you know, terminal stage five or wherever that is? Can you just go over those stages that that are typically used? So I think, you know, of course, we can go through them, but I think most of one of the things I've noticed that. even though it's an important um, conversation to have, is really not the fundamental one when it comes to stages in terms of, uh, you know, what a stage one is and a stage two or three or four. But the stages that are more interested about myself are um, the process of a person going from where they are to receiving a diagnosis and then going through their healing process and then healing. So going from the process of not knowing all the way to remission and recovery are kind of stages that I like to work with more because um, 
and we're going to dive into them. The reason for asking is anyone goes into a doctor, they have cancer. This is what they're going to hear. So I just wanted to give people an overview because that's how they talk, right? That's the language of mainstream. And then we're going to move into, hey, here are some options that are not that, if you're okay with that. Absolutely, absolutely. Let me, you're, you're putting me to the test here with my biology uh, terminology and everything. So for what I remember, uh, stage one, and if I make a mistake on this is because really the medical, I'm not an expert in the medical part of it. I'm more, mm-hmm. my work is more at the, at the level of gotcha. spirituality. But so stage one is where um, the, the formation is just very centralized and in just one spot. Stage number two is when it passes into the uh, tissue right beside it, like in the case, for example, of a breast is when it passes into stage, um, into into the nodes. Um, I believe stage three has a lot to do with metastasis, meaning that it has now moved into another part of the body. And, and metastasis is another whole different conversation. And uh, And I believe stage four is when there is, there's almost like a point of no return, like in a way where things have come to a level where it's really hard to return, to turn them back. But um, that is debatable as well, right? So there's many times when uh, somebody get the news, like, oh, you are stage four, this is where you are. But the important is not to fall prey of the fear and to um, also understand that Many times a person have been told, oh, you're stage four, this is so-and-so news. But you don't really get to hear much about the good news, about how many people actually heal from that mm-hmm. stage three or that stage four, of how many success stories are there, or how your chances of really succeeding are, not just from the medical standpoint, from, but, from, but in general, right? Exactly. Um, Stage, the, the conversation about stages is important, but it's also important to not feel, uh, not fall just right into that box. Well, and, and that's the next place I want to go. I personally know a number of people who have been diagnosed and at stage four and they're, you know, the medical model is kind of like, well, we've kind of done everything we can do and they're alive today and they're, um, oh, another term I'd love you to clarify is remission, because again, Mainstream model, I think it's what, five years that you have to be cancer-free to be, to say that, right? So you have to be out of the, you know, out of the danger zone. Like you need to be cancer-free for five years in order to be considered uh, in a stage of remission. Like, yeah, uh, I know. Um, Sorry, so did I interrupt you? Like you wanted to ask something about that? No, I just want to, now I want to switch gears. I wanted people to have that flavor of what's out there because you know, you, you delivered it in your message going, this is not a death sentence. This is not a fed to complete. This is not a closed door. If you ever get any of this kind of information, we're about to talk about the things you can do and the success stories. Cause I agree with you. It's really important to hear about those. Um, I wanted to ask you what you feel the most common misconception mm-hmm. is about cancer. Mm. That is a very good question. <laughs> um, well, there's a few. Uh, one of the ones I see is the one that you mentioned before. That is a death sentence. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so much stigma around the word cancer. 
um, so much um, negative, in a way, marketing has been done around it and um, about being the killer, about being um, a monster, about being, um, you know, and, and here now we go into the, the, the depths of uh, language and you're a psychotherapist yourself. So I, I know you're fascinated with language shows like I am to some degree. And I believe we've done a great disservice uh, to people by placing cancer at the level of this um, enemy uh, that needs to be attacked, burned, killed, uh, addressed. That is this monster that just from outside coming into taking people's lives because well first of all the the, the emotional impact uh, nervous impact that this has on people is tremendous and another one is the the uh the misconception of once a person has cancer it's always a survivor you know it's almost mm -hmm. like we're moving into a place oh i'm cancer free now i'm forever a survivor mm. people wear it as a badge people wear it as a badge i have i've had many students who at the beginning i'm like so tell me about your situation and they tell me about their cancer almost like they're wearing yes. they're carrying their curriculum their cv you know and like they tell me the dates and the the everything with such an exactitude and and wearing as a badge that of course, it becomes really hard for them to somehow let it go as well. So I really like to talk about the myth of survivorship. Like once you're mm -hmm. cancer free, that's it. That doesn't mean that you're a survivor forever. Like, and the, the way I bring people to this point is this, Tasha. Um, I ask them, so have you had COVID? And some people say, yeah. Do you call yourself a COVID survivor? Right. No. Okay. So have you had hepatitis? Yes, I have. Do you call yourself a hepatitis survivor? No, you don't. So why do we call people cancer survivor, right? And why do we carry this? Uh, we put people, uh, we, we put this weight on people's shoulders about becoming a survivor and being a survivor forever. Uh, these kind of misconceptions are tough energetically and emotionally for people. So yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that because it, it, it fits so much into consciousness. If you're identifying as something you experienced, it's a limitation, totally. right? Totally. I mean, energy doesn't have a story. It doesn't have a narrative. And I'm not saying those things aren't important, but um, it really limits you if that's your identity. It's just the same as any role that you play, right? If that's Absolutely. it, you're limited. Absolutely. And you know what? Uh, talking now about uh, at the level of archetypes and archetypal mm -hmm. psychology, um, Yes, it is important that at some point through, through the journey, um, we might need to resource to the, the, the energetic um, uh, archetype of the warrior and to be a fighter and to be a warrior and to be in, on the race and to be on. The, but we eventually need to take the mask off. We eventually need to not be a warrior and then relax. But the problem is when we when that never ends. And so that's a lot of what this marketing around cancer has been uh, perpetuating. That is that once a survivor, always a survivor. Right. The fight, it's always there. That there's you never can relax. That once you have it, you have it forever. All these misconceptions are really tough. One of the things that um, when I start working with, with people in one of our coaching programs, I take away from them is the word mind 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 
on that or that I am. So my cancer or um, I am a survivor. I am a cancer. So because everything we use, we connect with the word I am or mine, we get to keep, right? So I start helping them uh, looking at the cancer as something that is, they're going through and that is happening to them, but not necessarily that becomes part of their personality yeah um it reminds me uh joan borosenko i don't know if you know her work she wrote a book fire in the soul and she talks about a cancer patient who um you know a lot of people get cancer and they move into kind of a victim archetype why me why me why me and she talked about this one woman who did work through her cancer um who said why not me was her response why not me i mean why not you why not mark why not you know, and that led her into a um, pers- shifting a perception instead of being the victim of something like you were talking about something's coming at me. I'm a victim of it to asking the question, what is this for? And it didn't necessarily make the cancer go away. So again, this is not A plus B equals C kind of thinking, but it shifted her perception so that her challenge with cancer became an opportunity to grow absolutely. herself and her identity. Did, does that match with your overview? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, because in my uh, model of the world, illness is a crisis. And every crisis has its purpose. And just like pain has its purpose, in order, to, we, we feel pain for our consciousness to be aware that there is something wrong going with a part of our bodies. And illness also brings to the door um, the awareness that something needs to be addressed um, at some level within us, right? So I think what happened to her in this example that you're just giving is that she moved from a level of apathy and, and uh, there's, you know, from a place of there's no solution and hopelessness to a place of action, so a place of courage, mm. and, and, and then move her little by little up the, the scales of the emotional um, vibrancy to a place of empowerment, mm-hmm. which is really what true self-empowerment is. Like That's another word that is so connected with the world of cancer, uh, empowerment, that is used so freely, but we never really ask ourselves, what is true empowerment, right? Is it... Uh, is it this thing that just keeps us going because um, we just go really hard on to bombarding our body with all these very dense, very negative things? Or is it because, um, you know, true self-empowerment comes from realizing that we have to make a commitment to heal, you know, and in order to make a true commitment to heal, we need to move away from the victim consciousness, right, into action, into um, really personal power. Um, Mm -hmm. Now moving into another sphere here, but it's super, super important. Um, The commitment to heal, the commitment to have a deep communication with the healing intelligence living in the body, Mm -hmm. to acknowledge it, right? One of the the ways I bring people into this realization is this, um, you might go through the most advanced chemotherapy, the most advanced radiation and surgery and everything. Uh, but if the body decides it doesn't want to heal, it won't. Right? Mm-hmm. You, the same way, you can scratch your knee, fall and scratch your knee. If the body decides that it doesn't want to heal and close the wound, 
he wants. Because there is an intelligence living within us uh, that we're normally not aware of. Why would it decide that? See, see that what again? might why might the body decide that it doesn't want to heal? Because there's there's something pending. There's something that still needs attention. And attention I, in I, your I, world, it's attention. Ah, of course. And, and see, for me, it's the I haven't answered the question. What is this for? It's try, yeah, it's trying to get my attention so yeah. I can answer that question, whatever it is. Oh, absolutely. There, there's there is an there is an aspect of the personality is still neglected, right? Unresolved, right? And, and the body. Let's let's remember something, Tasha. We're not wired. We're not wired for happiness and success. We're wired for survival. Mm-hmm. Not just only survival of the body itself, but survival of the family tree, right? You, you know this, like, I mean, family constellations and yep. the whole survival of the, of the species, of the, of the clan. Um, illness comes, in my opinion, as has been formed as a, a method for biology to, to bring the organism into the next level of evolution and eventually you know, make us grow and survive and perpetuate the life of the, of the clan itself. So it seems a little out there when uh, we hear this, because I know some people are thinking like, what are you telling me that cancer is actually a survival mechanism that cancer is actually has the purpose of perpetuating our, our family tree and our lives. And I think that to some degree it does. And, and the same applies to all illnesses and pain as well. Is is a way for us to to really move us into change and to look at what has not been addressed at a personal level. And when we do, we grow, we mm. expand. You know how many students I've had that have told me this? And obviously they tell me this later on in their journey, right? They say, cancer was the best thing that ever happened to me. It... It made me change all my relationships. It made me change my work. It made me reinvent myself. It made me really uh, address all the levels of toxicity I was living in that I wasn't even aware of. Mm-hmm. So when we move a person into that level, that's true self-empowerment. And that's seeing, I, I think that's everywhere, not just illness, you know, to use it as an opportunity to grow, we're systems, and our mandate, as you were saying, is to evolve and to cre- keep changing and growing. And this certainly has the power to do that. It's a wake-up call, right? Absolutely. And and with all compassion, with you know, my hands on my heart, I tell like it's not easy when we are obviously in the midst of it, terrified about dying, terrified about pain, and the soul mm. might come through it. Uh, terrified of how it brings so much change so quickly into a person's life. Of course, that's where uh, my work comes really um, to, you know, cover its importance because I focus on supporting people on detaching, on letting go, on addressing the the roots, the emotional roots, on really um, healing from within and, um, yeah, Anyways, well, we're going to get into all the things you do. There's one more thing I want to talk about, though, and I don't know if we're going to agree on this, but for me, there's a new age sentiment or perception that I find extremely 
harmful, actually. And it's close to what we're talking about, but it's entirely different. So I've heard people say things like, you're creating that, whatever it is, and you created that cancer. Um, in, a, in some way, like, you, you know, the body is involved, so you could say that's true. But what it generates in the person is a kind of guilt as to how am I making this happen? Oh, I must be doing A, B, or C wrong. Like it takes them down a rabbit hole. I mean, guilt is such a pointless emotion. It's not even an emotion, meaning to attach to what we're doing and how we're living. So I wanted your take on this whole new age thing of you you created it versus what we're talking about, because using what is happening as an opportunity to grow is different to me, very, very different than the first thought I created this. That actually is not, to my system, helpful. It it invites guilt. Yeah, well, um, I would love for um, your listeners out there to write down in your notes, and I hope people are taking notes. (laughs) (laughs) I would if I was listening to this. Um, To really put the spotlight on guilt. I think you just hit it right on the on the spot because let, let's talk about guilt for a moment. Uh, even outside there, the, the the realm of cancer, mm-hmm. let's talk about guilt in our society. Um, we have um, we have a system outside of our bodies. We have a system out there in the world that takes care of guilt, right? Uh, a judicial. Uh, system that execute laws and and the penitentiaries and all this so why do we have a, a judicial system that takes care of those who are guilty well because um there's there's a sense of revenge that is needed when we feel that someone needs to someone is guilty let me let me explain a little bit more when someone's guilty in society what do we do we punish them right the punishment is jail. The punishment is whatever it is, uh, a, a ticket for parking in the wrong place, whatever it is that the person does, if he's mm-hmm. guilty, we have systems that punish the person, right? But we have carried, as a society, we have carried the idea that guilt needs to be punished at all levels. So if we find ourselves guilty of anything, subconsciously we carry the idea that we must be punished and this is the part where i enter into my work with healing the birth where does this sense of guilt come from like does it come from our birth does it come from the trauma of coming into our families that all the the stuff the moms goes through the dad goes through that we cause Mm. arriving into our families so guilt is primordial is old and also we carry a lot of sense of guilt coming from our families as well. So why do I want people to write down the word guilt and circle it and put attention to that? Is because I want them to ask themselves, where, where do I hold myself guilty? What am I guilty of? You know, and in my model of the world, what do I see as the force that take care of the guilty? Is it karma? Is it God? You know, is is God the one that takes care of those who are guilty? Is it karma the one that takes care of those who are guilty? Is it cancer, you know, the one that punishes? So this is very important because depending on 
the model that the person carries in their mind in terms of what do they believe that caused the cancer is that we have more or less tools to work with. If you believe that it was God's punishment, there's not much we can do. If you believe that there is karma, there again, there's also not much that can be done. If you believe that you have something to do with the formation of it, well, now, now we have a lot more tools to work with. But if you need, if you believe at some level that you need to be punished for something that you did, that you say that a way of being, then we have work to do. But releasing guilt is one of the like guilt is one of the worst the services that we have done in the spiritual community is that you cause this and then holding a finger on the other person um, that is unnecessary. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I think it also translates to, it's a funny, it's a slippery slope because this idea of creation, um, you know, you create your own reality or you manifest you this, like there's a whole new age belief about all that. And I love the word and, which is my favorite word in the English language, because it's this can exist and so can this and so can this and so can this all at the same time. So the and in creation is that there's a mystery. There's there's a you called it a what did you say? You called it a um, oh, shoot, a force or a a healing force. What did you call it? A Uh, The healing intelligence, healing intelligence. Great. There's a healing intelligence. And although I'm part of it and it's part of me, it also is a healing intelligence that exists. There's something that exists that's involved in co-creation, I believe. And so when we eliminate that, we don't include it. And it's all about, I made this happen. I think that's where guilt comes from is Mm -hmm. a, a belief that you are personally somehow responsible, period. And I, but I love what you said about the, where you can move when you're, depending on how you perceive what's going on. Totally. I think the trick is, um, the ideal is to arrive to a place of acknowledgement of our own power mm-hmm. without falling into guilt. Right. Right. To, to walk the tightrope of understanding, oh, yes, I can see I had something to do with the formation of this. That doesn't mean I'm guilty, though. Right. In my version, in my vision of the world, in my model of the world, we're all we're all innocent. And, and if if you're I, an energy being, even right. if you have cancer and you leave this world, like that, I that identification to me is extremely helpful in terms of finding some peace with being okay, you do everything you need to do. And and you may fight, you may um, do whatever you need to do. Like, it's a beautiful expansion. And if you're only obsessed with the results, you're still again limited. Absolutely. And, you know, and God has a last word. And the mystery of life is just that mysterious. And um, yeah, I, I, I think that's my favorite word in English, by the way. Mystery. Which one? Mystery. <laughs> It leaves, like it leaves a whole planet there yeah. or, of unknown. Um, to really- the only the only thing we do have to identify, I think that's important about the word mystery or whatever we want to call it. Oh. Is it friendly or not? Mm. I'm stealing this from Einstein. It's not original. 
Um, the, the way, yeah, that's what he said. There's only one question you have to answer. Is the universe a friendly place or not? Because how, now I'm talking, not Einstein, because how you answer that question will define how you see everything that happens, including cancer. Absolutely. Is it this enemy that I got to fight and get rid of, or is something else happening here for yeah. me so I can heal, right? Yeah. Is, is illness a force that comes here for my evolution and development? Right. Both. Um, or is it here to destroy? It? Right, right. That's that's big difference. That's it. that's it. And I believe in a in a friendly universe, in a place of uh, where we are innocent, primordially, and where we make a big mistakes, a big mistake in confusing the actions of a person with the person itself. Mm-hmm. Um, a person can be very mean in their actions. Their actions can be very uh, narcissistic or mean or whatever they are but the core of the person itself has a level of purity at love so that is is just pristine yeah. that's what it is and that's who we are yeah. so if we hold ourselves at that dimension then we realize that we are not guilty that we shall not be punished because there's no really a need for it uh, then instead of punishment we can just call it evolution we can call it growth and development. And yeah, it feels, a, much, it's, feels much better to live in that universe. It does. It's a course in miracles. There's only love or a cry for love with the bad behavior. It's a cry for love with otherwise at the essence, we're all love. I prefer that myself. Absolutely. Love is all there is. And there you go. The Beatles knew it. If it feels or looks like different from love is is part of the illusion. It's a departure. Yeah. 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 And this is not spiritual bypass. Let's touch on that. And then I want to move into what you specifically do at Valen Health. But what you just said, and what we're talking about here is not spiritual bypass, believing that love is at the core of who we are, does not, um, does not eliminate looking at one's shadow or all the areas that need healing. In fact, it's essential, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's actually focusing uh, straight into the, the the greatest level of integration. Um, this non-dualistic, yeah, um, uh, spiritual bypassing is dangerous. You know, it's about like avoiding, avoiding um, the 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 areas that need attention. And and anyways, we can go into that another time. But um, yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk about Valen Health. So. Tell us, you know, somebody's listening going, okay, I, I was um, diagnosed. I don't know, you know, maybe they're listening to the medical model and, or maybe they don't want to, or whatever it is. Tell us about the clinic, what you offer and what kind of the first steps would be for a person. Yeah. So Valent Health is, um, is not a physical uh, clinic. I mean, we're not situated in a building or anything. We um, work with our clients online. Uh, we're working with clients all over the world now, which, you know, I'm, it's fascinating how this thing is just snowballing and evolving. Love it. Um, we really focus on helping people understanding the root causes of, of their challenges, their health challenges, mainly cancer, um, working at the level of consciousness, at the level of energy, um, resolving emotions and feelings. And the results we've seen are fantastic, are fantastic, really, like seeing pancreatic and liver enzymes dropping in a few weeks, um, all sorts of results. So what we do is that we have different coaching programs where we get together, we do 
um, a lot of work really around thought management, as around um, resolving our emotions, meditation, breath work, you name it. We, we meet several times a week, actually, and we have a beautiful group going. So that's one of the offers we have. And, and really, I would say the main one working at the at the level of the subconscious to heal. Mm -hmm. Let's talk for a minute about um, hypnosis and why it's so effective in being able to reach the unconscious and um, uh -huh. offer this kind of healing. That might be my second favorite word in English. Which one? <laughs> well, I actually don't talk know. It's, it's <laughs> hypnosis or the unconscious, but like uh. it's all around this fascinating, you know, I discovered it when I was a kid and I've been fascinated since. So um, yeah, the subconscious mind plays a huge role into everything we're doing here because we enter into the realm of projection, right? We enter into the realm of the shadow, into the areas of the psyche that hold memories, that holds us sometimes guilty without us being guilty, or that holds us into those places of limitation with um, limiting beliefs, limiting mental you know mental blocks that hold the person uh, from growing and expanding and healing so a person could be doing all the medical treatments and could be doing everything right to heal but still there are limitants at the level of the subconscious mind mm -hmm. that are holding them back and that's why we put so much attention into that area i'm a clinical hypnotherapist i, I have specialization working with cancer patients and um, it's fascinating it's fascinating how much growth in a good way, how much development happened once the person lets go of, of something that they're ready to let go. So one of the main things there is to be ready for change, you know, readiness for change uh, in the triggering positive effects uh, at the level of the subconscious mind. Is that one of your favorite ways to access the unconscious? Absolutely, Absolutely. through um, hypnotherapy, guided visualizations you know i do a lot of uh, healing imagery right because the subconscious mind speaks uh, the, the 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 language of symbols mm -hmm. we know it through because of our dreams because metaphors absolutely so metaphors are powerful stories uh guided meditations we do it every week in our program and the results are beautiful hmm. tell us some of your success stories Oh, well, um, the latest one, uh, five centimeter, two more from uh, breast uh, gone, you know, and the, the, the interesting part is that obviously it's very hard for me to say that it is our success because mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a joint uh, effort and some of my students are doing uh, the allopathic model of chemo radiation and all that. They are in the midst of it. Others aren't. Um, but yeah, that's the one, that's the last one that I really felt very inspired by, um, you know, receive a text message from my students saying, I just came back from the doctor and there's no evidence, you know, and ED and uh, fascinating. It's really so inspiring. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so, so inspiring. And you had mentioned this group coming together. So you do group work online and what's the uh, value of being with kindred spirits or in community um, is your understanding of that and the correlation to healing um, have have there been studies done on that where people when they're in a group that you actually see better results when there's that kind of connectivity 
there have been studies for sure. And, um, and I can tell you that there is so much more potency on the group work. Um, there is such a loving level of accountability that happens uh, within the members. And most of the people that come to work with us, and I know many are gonna resonate with this out there, they know the affirmations to use. They know the meditations to, to, to practice. They know the kind of music that can help them. They know. Yeah. It is in the putting it all together and having somebody who holds you accountable that the power of the group is, right? And also on the um, having the, the, uh, the monitor, the other one, pointing at you areas that are hidden to yourself, right? There are subconscious mm-hmm. that are, you know, that are hard for us to see. And a lot of healing comes from that, from having the loving companion of people who are, you know, going through the same process in, and hold you through your changes. A lot of them are really growing and changing so much, but their families aren't. Mm. Now they're in front of another challenge, the friction with their environment. Because as we grow, all of a sudden we leave behind the old. And sometimes the, the, the partners, the children, the environment just doesn't support the, the, the growth. So having the support of the group is paramount. And how many people might be in a group? At the, at the moment, we have about 15 people. Yeah. And uh, so we go sometimes from, you know, different numbers show up because we're working with people all over the world with different time zones. So we record each one of our classes and people can come later or in the morning and watch them and not have to be there necessarily. So, um, yeah, the group grows and Sometimes everybody shows up at the same time. Many times they don't. Um, but yeah, it's, the energy is the same. The, the, the work is equally valuable. How long might the session be? An hour. We An meet hour. About three times a week for one hour. Yeah. And does everyone get a moment to check in or just certain people? How do you? Um... You know what? Not necessarily. I mean, I leave, I leave a lot of the space for um, open questions and all these, but it is not your average, it's not a support group. Okay. You know, that's important to, to, um, to highlight here. That is not a support group in which people come and pour their hearts. Obviously, there is an opportunity for that if that's the case uh, in the class. But we come for different reasons. We come to um, share our experiences through the exercises that I give them. Um, we talk about dreams. We talk about visions we talk about how we're moving through uh, you know facing certain feelings and uh, and then we go into doing our guided meditation work our clinical hypnosis our breathing exercises or tapping or visualization exercises so it's there's like a 70 percent component of the of the class is very very practical so we don't stick to just talk because then it stays in the realm of talk therapy and counseling. And a lot of people have been, you know, trying to move away from that and having more practical tools. Mm-hmm. And so if someone wants to sign up for a group, do you have certain start dates or how is, how does your program work? No, we start continuously, you know, uh-huh. we don't have a start date. Uh, they can join anytime. Um, you're sharing our links, mm-hmm. our website, Valen Health, has all the information with all the success stories and everything. 
Um, but yeah, no, people can start at any time. So if someone's listening and a friend of theirs or a family member has cancer, what would you advocate as one of the most supportive things you could um, do or say? You know, a lot of people who have friends who are struggling don't know what to do and they all just go buy soup. Um, What would you advocate? I know. um, I believe that one of the reasons for that to happen is that we don't have listening skills. We don't really know how to listen compassionately. And having someone close with cancer um, also make us face a lot of our own fears. Right. right? Um, so the person might feel fear of dying, fear of going through painful situations. And when someone close to them have cancer, all of a sudden, all of this comes to the forefront. Mm-hmm. And many times avoidance or, you know, so learning how to listen to the other person is is key learning how to listen to them compassionately without trying to move them away from their pain and what i mean with that is this you again you're a therapist you know exactly what i'm talking about well it's the phrase i used before we started recording that people are allergic to their feelings move away from the pain don't go there because you'll feel something Yeah. yeah because we just don't know how to handle it right yeah we move into sympathy when we should be staying on empathy and and we just don't have the skills to do it we haven't been taught right how to properly listen to someone and that but that's the key right there to know how to listen to the other one without trying to rush them out of their pain mm-hmm. try to uh, convince them that everything's going to be right when the other person what they need is just to to cry to put their pain out to put their fears out yeah Um, it takes skill to be able to hold that i love that you're offering um the kind of approach that could help people even with our healthcare system being what it is i heard a horrific story just a few weeks ago on the news about a woman who had a tumor behind her ear and couldn't get in, couldn't get the results of the test fast enough. So by the time she finally got in there, it was so massive that something that would have been a simple surgery is going to disfigure her face, her smile, her jaw, like, and that's simply the healthcare system and the legs in time to be able to get into surgery and get test results and everything else. So anyone who's facing cancer would be facing the similar kinds of frustrations So I love that you're offering at least um, a path of um, feeling like you're working on your healing and opening to healing, even with the reality of our flawed healthcare system. Oh, absolutely. We work with people who are, you know, deep into the healthcare system and people who aren't. Whatever you are doing, this is my advice is whatever you are doing, do it from a place where you really believe is working for you. If you are whole, if you're half hearted into it, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> do it with the conviction that, you know, this chemotherapy is going to help me. I believe so. I am going to for it deeply with it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I really don't point fingers at our healthcare system or our doctors or nurses because um, I love medicine as well. And because I have so much compassion for the people working in our healthcare system because they are overwhelmed. They are outnumbered. Um, doctors don't have the, the, the time and the ability and the energy to really give the right attention and, and, and 
an energy to everybody that um, they wish they had because yeah, it's, it, the, the system is overwhelmed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anything else that we've missed that you want to share about your program or the support that you're offering? We only have a couple of minutes left. Well, I think we cover it all. I, I really wish, <laughs> uh, I really hope that the people out there who either have a family member, a friend, or, or themselves uh, that heard this, um, you know, um, move themselves into a place of curiosity and, and find, want to find out more um, about how to address the, the emotional, the mental, the energetic roots uh, of cancer and heal them from the inside out and reach out. We, we love to hear from you. Um, we offer complimentary uh, free calls, you know, where we find out if the person is a good match to work with us, if our team can help them, uh, where they are at with their health, where would they like to be, how we can get them there, you know, if that's a possibility. So reach out. I would love to, to talk to you guys, to your family, and, and support as many as we can. And this is not just for cancer. People dealing with any other kinds of illnesses as well, are you open to? I, I am with? open to it. In, in the future, we are building up something. We're actually building up a program for general, for health, we're building another program for healthcare providers as well uh-huh. with emotional intelligence and listening skills and everything that are so needed. Um, but at this point, our, our main, our chief uh, uh, project and, and program is for cancer. Patients. For cancer. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. You're very welcome. Thank you so much, Tasha. It's been a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Mark, as well. <laughs> You've been listening to Conscious Living Radio 100.5 FM in Vancouver, Wednesday night, 6 to 7 p.m., available as a podcast, www.consciouslivingradio.org, also on YouTube, and of course, right now, Facebook Live. So thanks, everyone, for joining, and we've been speaking with Federico Valen, um, and all the links to find Valen Health are on our page. Brilliant Mark Caron has already put them up there, right, Mark? Sure have. Thanks, everyone. Bye. You have been listening to Conscious Living Radio. For free show downloads, additional information about our guests and topics, or details about upcoming programs, check us out at ConsciousLivingRadio.org. The Greater Vancouver Food Bank has been providing support for our cities for almost 40 years and has been vital to helping thousands of community members through the COVID-19 crisis. To find out how you might benefit from the Greater Vancouver Food Bank's services, or to learn how you might donate money or volunteer your time, please visit their website at foodbank.bc.ca. Co-op Radio is your home for multicultural programming. We broadcast in over eight languages, including Armenian, Americ, French, Polish, Romanian, Spanish, Tagalog, and Vietnamese. We also host programs covering Hawaiian, Celtic, Caribbean, Jewish, and African music styles from across the globe. Want to hear programming in a language you speak? Co-op Radio can train you on the broadcast skills you need to start a new show. Go to cooperadio.org to learn more and contact us today.